0: Please do uh, have that in front of you.
1: The reading is from uh, John chapter 15, starting at verse 1, and it can be found on page 1093 uh, of the Church Bible. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, Jacqueline. Uh, Before before I start, I should uh, just say, if uh, if any of the kids want to, there are a couple of things uh, in 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 the prayer chapel. If they want to, obviously very welcome to stay uh, stay here as well. But uh, just let you know uh, that there are a couple of a couple of things in there. Uh, also just a, a quick disclaimer that this, this this passage uh, is very very close to my heart so um uh you, uh you you're kind of cutting open my veins here and this is uh, something that is just really dear to me so i hope that comes across uh, as as uh, as i try and unfold what this passage means for us so let's let's pray Lord Jesus, as we gather here together at the beginning of a new year, we pray that it would be our resolution to abide in you. So Lord, we pray that you would give us hearts that want you above all else. And if you should grant us to live another 12 months, and to be here in 12 months' time, then may we look back uh, at this at 2023 and say it was a year in which we grew in our knowledge and love of you. In learning your ways and in living your life. So we pray, stir stir up our hearts by your spirit. Give us this, this desire, we pray. Amen. So I want you to imagine uh, the great 18th century hymn writer, one of the uh, hymn writers who who wrote some of our most loved uh, hymns and carols, uh, Charles Wesley, Uh, and he's here, and uh, he's here on Christmas Day, and we've just sung Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And no doubt, I imagine he'd be delighted uh, to hear the words that he penned, uh, continuing to help believers express the wonder of Christmas 300 years later. But I imagine he might also be a little confused, because we've stopped, we've stopped singing too early. He penned an extra couple of verses that no one seems to sing. You see, he didn't finish. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. They weren't the final lines of the of, of the hymn. I can imagine him asking, "Why don't you sing those other two verses?" Well, Wesley had actually written uh, sixteen more lines of poetry, rich with biblical allusion, which flesh out, uh, excuse the pun, the meaning of the incarnation. He's the first of them. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Now display thy saving power. Ruin nature, now restore. Now in mystic union join. Thine to ours and ours to thine. Adam's likeness, Lord efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Let us thee, though lost, regain thee the life, the inner man. O to all thyself impart, formed in each believing heart. And he might ask, well, what's the big deal? And to which I imagine he would respond something like this because the sons of earth being given second birth isn't the end of the story salvation isn't just a get out of hell free card it's not just about making sure we stay out of the bad place salvation is also a life here and now birth it's just the beginning. The new birth is the beginning of a life lived in, in, in relationship with God. We're not, say, we're not just saved from something. We're saved for something. We're saved for the complete restoration of our human nature. We're saved for the enjoyment of God's love. We're saved for Christ being formed in our hearts. We're saved so that we can enjoy God and glorify him forever. Throughout the, the autumn term, we explored the, the church's new mission statement that we exist to be and to make disciples who love Jesus as their greatest treasure, learn Jesus as their way of life, and live Jesus for the renewal of the world. And then we looked at seven values here um, that we want to become part of the church's DNA, to worship joyfully, pray dependently, think, uh, live biblically, uh, love extravagantly, think biblically, Give sacrificially and witness organically. And then after a brief break for Advent and Christmas, we're now uh, thinking about how we can partner with God to make us that kind of church. What are the steps that we can take to deliberately make space for God to do this within us? And what we're talking about then uh, are those Christian practices that followers of Jesus have engaged in down through the ages to become more like Jesus. What are often called spiritual disciplines. Uh, we're calling them rhythms of grace. And that comes from Eugene Peterson's translation uh, of Jesus' words in Matthew uh, 11, uh, which should be uh, on the screen. We're, this is how Eugene Peterson translates. Jesus famous words he says are you tired worn out burned out on religion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me and work with me watch how I do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace so that's uh, that's our new year focus that learning the unforced rhythms of grace, those things that keep us connected to Jesus and produce the Jesus life in us. And so I just want to anchor this again, just uh, in uh, verse, verse 5 of, what we've, uh, of the passage that Jacqueline's just read for us. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Just let that sink in just for a moment. these words of jesus uh, form part of what's known as the, the farewell discourse so it's an extended block of teaching uh, that jesus gives to his apprentices uh, on the night before he is arrested and put on a cross to die uh, and it goes from kind of chapter 14 all the way through to chapter 17 so jesus knows that he's about to die uh, and john tells us that in uh, right at the beginning john uh, 13 verse 1 Um, He knew uh, that he was uh, going going to leave this world and go to the Father. So the purpose of this teaching is to prepare his apprentices for a new stage in their apprenticeship, a stage when he wouldn't be physically present with them as he had been. But it's here in this uh, farewell discourse that, that Jesus tells them that he will still be present with them through the Holy Spirit, who the Father will give them in his name. And so the context of Jesus talking about himself as the vine is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And likewise, straight after this passage, uh, if you have your Bibles open, at verse 26, Jesus starts talking about the Holy Spirit again. And so our, our Bible reading is sandwiched either side by discussion of the gift and work of the Holy Spirit. And that isn't an accident. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to abide in the vine. And the Holy Spirit is the one who first connects us with Jesus and then keeps us connected with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the means by which the life of Jesus, the vine, flows into us, the branches. So, how can we be with Jesus today? Through the Holy Spirit. Abiding in the vine means learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so the point is this, that the number one priority that Jesus gives to his apprentices, to his disciples, isn't go out and evangelize the nations or go out and transform all the unjust structures in society. Now, those things are great and they're important, And Jesus wants his apprentices to be involved in doing them, but that's not the top priority. The top priority is abide in me. Why? Jesus says it right there in verse 4. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. The way we learn Jesus and live Jesus is by loving Jesus. By practicing his presence in our daily lives as our highest aim. Uh, And we we know this intuitively. I mean, think about it. It doesn't matter what fancy things that your iPhone can do. If the battery's dead, it ain't going to do any of them. The first and most important step... In our apprenticeship to Jesus is simply being with Jesus. And in verses 16 to 17, Jesus says uh, that he chose his apprentices that they might bear fruit, fruit that will last. Uh, and then in verse 8, uh, Jesus says that it's by bearing much fruit that they will show themselves to be uh, his disciples, his apprentices. So so bearing fruit matters. And it goes back to the first point uh, this morning, that the goal isn't just that we're born again, but that we're born again into a Christ-like life. We show that we belong to Jesus by looking like Jesus. And what does Jesus' life look like? It looks like love. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, Jesus wants us to become people of love, but Jesus also knows that this will only happen as his love courses through our veins. Only as we remain and abide in his love will we become people of love. And so, the simple thing I just want to draw out for us this morning is that since all spiritual fruit is the result of abiding in Jesus... We must arrange our lives in such a way as to make abiding in Jesus our central pursuit. So that the spiritual disciplines or the rhythms of grace that we're going to be looking at between now and Lent are what a trellis is to a vine. Now the idea is that just as a trellis provides a stable structure, to support the growth of a healthy, fruit-bearing vine. So these rhythms of grace give a stable structure to our life with Jesus, enabling us to be spiritually healthy, fruit-bearing disciples. This isn't a new idea. It goes back to Jesus himself. It goes back to looking at the rhythms of Jesus' own life, the way that he rooted all that he did in his relationship with the Father and imitating him. Henry Nowen uh, writes this. He says, Just as all Jesus' words and actions emerge from his communion with his Father, so all our words and actions must emerge from our communion with Jesus. But before we go any further, I just want to give a quick health warning. Because these rhythms of grace or spiritual disciplines, like re- reading the Bible or prayer or fasting or whatever, they're not ends in themselves. The point of them is to connect you with Jesus. Think of it this way. When you wait at the bus stop, what are you doing there? You're waiting to get on the bus. The point is to get on the bus. The point isn't to just be at the bus stop and think, yep, yeah, can check that, check that off my list. I've waited at the bus stop. John Mark Comer says, The end is life to the full with Jesus. The end is to spend every waking moment in the conscious enjoyment of Jesus' company. To spend our entire lives with the most loving, joyful, peaceful person ever to live. I want that. I hope you do too. The trellis... Is important, but the trellis isn't the vine. It's the vine that matters. The trellis exists for the sake of the vine. And so the goal isn't just to think, I've read my Bible today, tick. We can read our Bible every day of the year in such a way that it's not actually about spending time with Jesus. The goal is to spend time with Jesus. <laughs> And the Bible is the way reading the Bible is the way of doing that. And so in the rest of the the time we have um, I just want to focus on two main questions. What are the spiritual disciplines and why do we need them? Uh, So what are the spiritual disciplines? Scott McKnight writes this, uh, and he's speaking about um, this passage from John 15. He says, As a branch draws its sap of life from the vine from which it grows, so also the disciple of Jesus draws spiritual life from Jesus. The manner of drawing life from Jesus is profoundly simple. Abide in him or open up to the flow. Abiding in Jesus is a discipline of prayer and receiving life from Jesus. It is a way of life. We don't stumble onto it accidentally. We have to make it a conscious pattern of life. So the spiritual disciplines are are ways of opening up to Jesus' flow. They're means of grace. They're channels through which Jesus' life may flow into us. There's nothing magical about them they aren't a spiritual silver bullet. They're simply habits through which the Holy Spirit can work to make us more like Jesus. And what's really important is that what makes these rhythms of grace so valuable to us, and the reason why they've been passed down by generation after generation after generation of Jesus' followers, is that they're the rhythms of Jesus' own life. Read through the Gospels, and you'll see that these are the things that matter to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus himself says about where his power came from. So uh, John 5, uh, verse 19, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Uh, John 14, verse 10, The words I say, I, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. This is Jesus, the Son of God, and He's saying, "Everything is, I, I do is because I'm rooted in the Father." The rhythms of grace are the rhythms of Jesus' own life, the practices that kept Him anchored in the knowledge and love of the Father, from which all of the fruit of His ministry came. And it's, I think you'll, I hope you'll agree with me, it's some pretty impressive fruit where did it come from it came from spending time with the father so if we want to live jesus for the renewal of the world then we have to learn jesus as our way of life we have to uh, if we think that we're going to be able to live like jesus without employing the kind of practices that jesus practiced we are deluding ourselves big time as John Ortberg writes, the church's is what is to make disciples or apprentices. The how is by learning to be with Jesus and by learning from Jesus how to live like Jesus. We do this through spiritual practices, through experiences like suffering, and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So the spiritual disciplines are practices that we engage in to keep us rooted in Jesus. And as the name suggests, they are disciplines. And what that means is that it's about training. So think of one of the great footballers that we saw at the World Cup, uh, such as Lionel Messi, for instance. Suppose a child wants to become like Lionel Messi. Is it enough for them just to buy the same kind of football boots? Is it enough for them just to buy an Argentina shirt and to wear that as they're playing? Is it enough for them to copy the, the way he celebrates his goals? No. It's no good them only trying to act like him during the game. Messi didn't become the great footballer that he is by only behaving in certain ways during the game. He became a great footballer he is through practice, 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 and more practice. And that's the point, a discipline is any activity that I can do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that which I cannot do by direct effort at the moment. So nobody, not even Mozart, is born able to play the piano. Even jazz musicians uh, who uh, are able to improvise only because they've put in the hours practicing the scales, like everyone else. Uh, To switch illustrations, uh, you think about the way that the Couch to 5K app works. Does it say, on day one, go out and run 5K? No. It starts small and builds up over time, so that by the end of it, through training, you've improved your fitness to a point where you can run that 5k relatively easily. So, the training does something that mere trying can't do. And that means if you want to become the kind of person who's capable of living the kind of life that Jesus lived for the renewal of the world, I'm afraid it's probably not going to happen overnight. Rather, as George MacDonald said, all God's processes are slow. The works of God take time and cannot be rushed. The rhythms of grace are rhythms for a lifetime. In the same way that that Lionel Messi, he'll still do dribbling practices. And in the same way for us, we are never going to get to a point where we move beyond needing to read the Bible. Or to pray. The way that the rhythms of grace work is by training us in the way of Jesus. The way a vine is trained to grow on the trellis. A spiritual discipline is any activity that helps me live as Jesus taught and modeled. So the second question is, why do we need them? We've touched on it already, but the answer is right there for us in verse 5 of our reading. Apart from me, you can do a little bit. No. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we need the rhythms of grace because all spiritual life comes from Jesus. And apart from Jesus, we're spiritually dead. We need the spiritual disciplines because a vine without a trellis will die. Becoming like Jesus doesn't happen by accident. Uh, I love what John Mark Comer uh, says. He says, following Jesus has to make it into your schedule and into your practices or it it will never simply happen. Apprenticeship to Jesus will remain an idea, not a reality in your life. We need the trellis because the trellis gives space for the vine to grow. The spiritual disciplines are those means by which we partner with God towards the end, uh, towards that goal of becoming more like Jesus. But here's the thing. Belief isn't the problem. So, I'm going to be vulnerable here. I believe that it's not healthy for me to eat half a packet of fig rolls at a time. But I do it anyway. <laughs> willpower alone only gets you so far, but habit eats willpower for breakfast. As John Ortberg again says, our, our only hope isn't for more willpower, it's for a new set of habits. Real change happens inside it will happen when the thought of eating half a packet of fig rolls is repulsive to me. In other words, real change happens when my habits begin to reflect what I want most. Why, what, you, the, what's so important, for instance, even just about the daily habits of, like, brushing your teeth. If you want healthy teeth, you brush morning and evening and it becomes a habit. But you've got to want it. When I arrange my life around the goal of being healthy, eating that half packet of fig rolls won't tempt me anymore. The spiritual disciplines are a way of training our desires to want Jesus, to want the life that he has and that he gives. And so I'm not on any money from John Ortberg here, but he is just... Uh, wonderful with this, so forgive me. He says this, The branch's job is not to produce fruit. Sounds counterintuitive, but bear with it. The branch's job is not to produce fruit. The branch's job is to continually receive life from the vine to abide. The fruit is a byproduct of abiding. You get that? It's a byproduct. It's job is to abide. This is really, really, really important because I think this has the power to change our lives if we get it. And he goes on, the fruit is the external manifestation of what's going on inside the branch. So let's just stop there for a moment. What's he saying? He's saying that the most important thing about us isn't what we do, but what we are. Because what we do flows from what we are. The fruit, our behavior, the things we say and do as we go about our ordinary everyday lives is simply the overflow of what's going on inside of us. And Jesus says this himself at several places. In Luke, uh, Luke 6, for instance, Jesus points out, No good tree bears bad fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. In other words, it's the inner nature of the tree that determines the outer product. An apple tree can try all it likes to produce olives. But it isn't going to happen unless it's changed in its inner nature, unless its DNA is changed. So what people often call sin, the bad things that we think and say and do and the good things we leave undone, is actually more a symptom than the disease itself. My biggest problem isn't that Steve Harvey does bad things. He does. My biggest problem is that the bad things that Steve Harvey does flow out of a bad heart that's in Steve Harvey. What I need most is the heart transplant. Back to John Ortberg. You will never produce the right fruit by trying to produce the right fruit. You will never say and do the right thing by trying to say and do the right thing. You will never obey the law by trying to obey the law. You will never do the right actions by trying to do the right actions. The inside of the branch must change. The automatic flow of thoughts and desires and intentions must change from being ego, i.e. me-centered, and conflicted, and greedy, and fearful, to confident, and grateful, and humble, and joyful, and ready to love. How does that happen? I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me. So we need spiritual disciplines because the health of the tree is dependent on the health of the roots. And so the spiritual disciplines are about keeping us rooted in Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, so that we become people who naturally produce the fruit of Christ-likeness, because the Christ-life is constantly flowing into us. So the key question for all of us is, who are you becoming? Not, what are you doing? Who are you becoming? It's who we are that we take with us into eternity. As the ghost of Jacob Marley says in a Dickens Christmas Carol, I wear the chain I forged in life. We are what we love and our lives are shaped by our habits and our habits reflect what we value most. So if we want to love Jesus as our greatest treasure, learn Jesus as our way of life, and live Jesus for the renewal of the world. It, it won't happen by accident. We have to adopt a new set of habits to train our desires in that direction. And so I just want to draw, draw things to a close with just a, a word of application. It's super simple today. I just want to take us back to, to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Nemo dat Quad, Non, Habit. You can't give what you don't have. And I'm quite unashamed in saying that discipleship is a more pressing priority to me than evangelism. And that isn't because I don't think evangelism's uh, not important. It's not because I don't want to see people's lives turned upside down by the grace of God, because I absolutely do. I say that because the branch's job is simply to abide in the vine. If you're abiding in the vine, evangelism will happen. People will see the difference. But if we're not abiding in Jesus... We have got nothing to offer. Listen again to Jesus' words and just let them sink in. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So from 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 my perspective, my hope. for for all of us my hope for myself is that we have one job our one job is to abide in Jesus that's it how about that for a New Year's resolution It's just abide in Jesus does that sound good Uh, and it wouldn't be a a sermon without having a, a Dallas Willard quote so just this to finish off The general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. And so I just want to close with one really simple but vital question that all of us need to consider. Do you want to love Jesus, learn Jesus, and live Jesus? And if so, will you resolve to make abiding in Jesus the central pursuit of your life? Or in the words of John Mark Comer, are you ready to arrange Or rearrange your days so that Jesus' life becomes your new normal. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and stir within us a desire for the life of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and give us a vision of the life of Jesus in us that draws us that compels us to want to, to reshape our entire lives around being with Him, Holy Spirit. We know that willpower enough isn't 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 going to get us there. Though if it's up to our own willpower, then in two days' time we're going to be we're going to be floundering. Lord, we ask you to put on our hearts the desire for the life that is truly life. And Lord, I pray, would you, would you draw us to you? Would you give us a hunger for you, a thirst that only you can satisfy, and Lord, would you lead us this year deeper into union with Jesus? May we be and become a people who abide in Him. Amen. Uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to. Sing together now. Uh.